Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. More specifically, uh, we are going to be jumping into part three of the team by team NRL 2024. Let me take a breath. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, 2024 season preview. Uh, Now, we've already done the Tigers. Uh, For goodness sake, that one took me a while. Uh, Just purely because... Every time I'd pause the recording, there would be some new news drop. Now, that was kind of the theme. I couldn't record the full thing without a new piece of news dropping. Since I've done the Tigers podcast, which was, fuck, not that long ago, they've cleared their entire board out. There are David Nofaluma dramas, uh, so I'm just glad the Tigers one is done. I don't have to keep up uh, with the weekly or daily news cycle. Uh, Now, we've also gone through the Dragons, and as we move up the ladder from this past season, well, that takes us next to a team, look, with some superstars in the mix, no doubt, uh, but a team that in the past year, well, for quite a few years, actually, a lot more bark than bite. So this is the third installment of a 17-team series. What is in store for today? All things Bulldogs for the upcoming season. We're going to talk coaching staff, gains and losses, uh, some of the star players, some youngsters to watch, and quite a few other things as well. But I will try to keep this uh, relatively quick. So hit all the points that I want to make, uh, but I want to make it a listener-friendly length. So in the name of doing that, uh, let's wrap this intro up. Today's episode brought to you by nobody. Absolutely nobody. Brought to you by me, I guess. Uh, Socials plug before we get started. If you want to keep up with all things Not Just A Sports Report, you can follow us over on Instagram at Not Just A Sports Report, or you can follow us on your preferred streaming platform, uh, and you'll be able to see as each team-by-team preview is released. But with that being said, now, nothing else to do but get amongst it, the Bulldogs 2024 season preview. Before we look ahead to the season that is upcoming, uh, just briefly, the season that has just gone, 2023, Uh, Look, going into this past season, there was so much hope. Been very tough times for the Doggies uh, since the Des Hasler era. A few coaches uh, have had a go. Trent Barrett, at one stage, seemed to be uh, the long-term answer. Then an interim coach, Mick Potter, potentially throwing his name in the mix. Uh, But it was Cameron Seraldo, the most highly sought uh, after assistant coach going into season 2023. The Bulldogs land their big fish, uh, and not just on the coaching front. They brought over 
are some very quality players like Viliami Kikau. Uh, was Josh Adokar, was this his first season? My memory's pretty shocking. Anyway, 15th place finish. That was what I wanted to talk about uh, with the Bulldogs. Extremely poor season. Despite the marquee signings, there was little to no improvement. Shut up, phone. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Shut up. I fucking... I'm over like 250 podcasts and... I'll put that on the floor. I still forget to take my phone off loud. So, sorry. Uh, little to no improvement, not just from the Bulldogs, but me as well, apparently. Uh, but yeah, little to no improvement, not just that. It actually seemed like the Bulldogs regressed. Like they got worse in this past season. Uh, there was some talk of player unrest. At one stage, an unnamed player walks out of training, apparently forced to wrestle 12 blokes. Goodness gracious. Uh, attitude and effort were lacking big time. Uh, that was my perception of the doggy season. And look, a lot of the time when you mention effort and attitude, and it's like, oh, these players aren't even trying. Like, they are. They are going to training day in, day out, busting their asses to improve themselves. And they are ultimate competitors. Like, they don't go out there wanting to lose. Uh, so they're definitely trying but especially in defense, just their attitude. I honestly thought uh, for a lot of the season, despite not finishing dead last, I thought the Bulldogs were actually the worst team this season just gone. So that is year one for Cameron Seraldo, uh, who now I think understands even more so than when he first walked in the door, uh, the challenge that is in front of him. Final thoughts on the season just gone. Like I said, uh, if they weren't the worst team this past season, they were definitely in the conversation. They've got a passionate supporter base who really thought in this season just gone that they could really make waves. They did quite the opposite. Uh, and what I found interesting, this series, Club by Club Season Preview, uh, I didn't do it for 2023. Uh, but I did do it for the season before. And when I did the Bulldogs podcast, it would have been, what, back end of 2021, very start of 2022, I was really positive about where the Bulldogs were going. I said it was going to take uh, a couple of years and that things weren't going to happen immediately. But I kept saying, like, they've got their guy, Trent Barrett. They've got the coach there. They're really trying to put the right systems in place. By midway of that season, Trent Barrett is gone. And we only saw them improve uh, once Mick Potter took the reins. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Just a takeaway from last time, I did a podcast like this with the Bulldogs. I was super optimistic, but I thought Trent Barrett, you know, I thought they were just going to give him time. There was going to be patience. Uh, now, as things would play out, it started to become more apparent that maybe Trent Barrett wasn't the guy. Uh, we saw Jake Haverillo, they kept persisting with him in the halfback jersey. I thought that really let them down. Uh, and overall, from the optimism I had a couple of years ago, I'm still optimistic about the Bulldogs, but like they haven't moved forward 
on that path. From where they were a couple of years ago, they've got some unbelievable players. So I guess they have moved forward, actually, uh, because when you look at their junior ranks, they're really starting to thrive. They're bringing in some really key players. But despite all of this, if you were just to look at the ladder, competition ladder, this Bulldogs team, very similar in terms of results, are to the Bulldogs teams of the last few years. I think Dean Pay and the roster he inherited, where we were all saying, you know, oh gee, it's going to take some time to fix this roster. Well, they've had time, they've fixed the roster, but the results have not improved whatsoever. So that was looking back. Now, let's have a look forward. And um, we'll start with the coaching staff uh, for this upcoming season. You've got Cameron Seraldo, who, as we know, he put in the yards uh, as an assistant at Penrith, was responsible for bringing many of the elite stars that we see, not just at Penrith, uh, but across the competition now. Seraldo brought them through uh, at junior level. Then in his coaching apprenticeship, uh, he takes on the New South Wales Cup team, has great success there, uh, moves up to the NRL assistant coach. Uh, even at one point, when Anthony Griffin was sacked, uh, took the head coaching reins. Then Ivan Cleary comes in, uh, but Seraldo, on the body of work uh, that he's conjured up over the last decade or so, he was a coach in demand, and he was a coach that fans of the Bulldogs thought, this is the guy. Now, my belief is that Cameron Seraldo is the guy, uh, and it's just going to take some time. But what worries me is that's what I said about Trent Barrett. Uh, now, Cameron has a great relationship with his key players, especially those of the Penrith variety, had a big hand in Viliami Kikau's career, a great relationship with Matt Burton. You've got Stephen Crichton coming over to the club this year as well. Uh, so Sorelda, the players are on his side. They're willing to put in the work. Uh, but what we are seeing with Cam Sorelda is that he has raised the standards big time. So we've seen in the media no specific players, uh, but a bit of chat that maybe Sorelda working his players too hard. Uh, I think this is just the process of weeding out the guys you don't want at the club. And I mean that respectfully. I'm sure they're quality players. But when you look at the juniors they've got coming through, like there's definitely a bright future for the Bulldogs. They've got some great marquee players within their system right now, uh, as well as guys like Jacob Preston, who've only just got their start. Uh, Jacob Pekira is another one who look like they will be very crucial members of this team uh, over the long term. So, yeah, I just think Sorelda, he's seen what it takes at Penrith. He's seen the work it takes to win a premiership. And right now, I think they're just in the process of working out who's up to it. Who, which of these guys, you know, can lift themselves to that premiership caliber. And I think there are plenty of guys that can do so. Uh, so when you look at this Bulldogs roster, again, it still may take some time as they try to work out, you know, what their long-term roster looks like. And there's been a lot of talk about 
quote unquote utilities that they've signed or journeymen that they're bringing into the club. I think this is purely to make them competitive in the season to come. Uh, and I also think like a lot of these guys are coming over on one-year deals. I believe this is kind of a stopgap, you know, just hold the fort down for a year or two until these young kids who are killing it in the lower grades are ready to progress. So that way you're not rushing these young stars in uh, before they're ready. And, you know, these guys coming in like Kurt Mann, Drew Hutchison, Jamin Salmon, uh, they're all coming from quality systems and have a lot of experience to offer. Uh, now, what I also find interesting, I can't remember the exact season, uh, but when Phil Gould first returned to the Panthers, uh, which now, obviously, we look back at that and think, far out. You know, they've done some great things there. And no longer do you see the dickheads being like, oh, what happened to the five-year plan, Gus? A lot of those cunts... Oh, that one just slipped out, sorry. Uh, a lot of those people, doubters, uh, yeah, not seeing a whole lot from them now. But I do remember early in that kind of Penrith run, as these players that we see now uh, were still in the junior grades, I remember there was one year where they brought all these guys across. From memory, Clint Newton was one of them. I believe Kevin Naguama was one. Cameron Seraldo from memory as a player, was a guy that came over as well. There were actually a lot more too. Uh, but during this time, right, your Clint Newtons, your Cameron Sorreldos uh, as players, they were not guys that you go, well, these signings have changed the game. But as fate would have it, they held down the fort as your Isaiah, uh, I fucking can't speak English, goodness gracious. Isaiah Yo was what I was trying to say. As guys like Yo, Cleary, Luai, Dylan Edwards uh, were all coming through, these guys just kept the Panthers competitive in the meantime. And I see a lot of parallels. Now, plenty of criticism around, oh, the dogs are just signing anyone they can get their hands on. I see a lot of parallels to what the Panthers were doing. Now, two totally different clubs, yes, but I believe that is why we have seen all these guys brought into the Bulldogs for this coming season. Because last couple of years, they haven't been competitive. They've lingered down the bottom of the ladder. So you bring Jamin Salmon, Connor Tracy, Drew Hutchison, all these guys into the fold. You're at least a better chance of being competitive. Now that is going to allow potentially... You know, the next Isaiah Yo, the next Nathan Cleary, the next Dylan Edwards to come through the Bulldogs ranks. Uh, although some of the stars they've got are very different players to those Penrith ones. But yeah, that is one thing when I look at the Bulldogs for this coming season. I believe that's why they're making those signings. Just to give these young kids time to properly develop and come through the system. Uh, but just to circle back, 2024 coaching staff. Cameron Seraldo, he's the head coach. Uh, and I think the biggest challenge he faces is the pressure. I think if they finish bottom four again this coming season, then all of a sudden, you know, the pressure starts to seriously mount. The media uh, will be on his case. 
And it will be very interesting, given that he's such a promising coach, it seems like this is a long-term investment. But that's not going to stop the Murdoch media. Like, they don't give a shit about long-term investments. They need a coach at all times on the chopping block. As soon as one's gone, the media, they'll change their focus to another. Uh, it's how it's been for such a long time. And Sereldo will know. He is not immune to that pressure. Uh, so at the very least, in this next season, we need to see improvement. Uh, now, who are the other coaches for 2024? Mr. Jason Taylor. Lucky Robbie Farah's not there, right? Uh, Jason Taylor has coached a number of clubs at NRL level. Uh, Tigers, he coached the Rabbitohs. Did he coach the Eels? I'm pretty sure he played for the Eels. I don't know if he coached the Eels. But Jason Taylor, he has been around the block and then some. And like I just mentioned with Sereldo, you want to talk about being in the media, pressure to keep your job? Jason Taylor has been there and done that. And he is a bloody handy coach as well. In fact, I uh, had quite a bit to do with Jacob Preston during his time at the North Sydney Bears. Uh, now that's where Jason Taylor has been as of late. Also spent some time as an assistant at, at the Roosters. I'm not sure he was still an assistant in the last couple of seasons, uh, but he'd been coaching at cup level with the North Sydney Bears and they had been doing really well. Uh, in the regular season, they were probably the best team uh, across the competition, despite having to share affiliated players uh, with the Roosters Cup team. So Jason Taylor did a great job with the Bears. Some people say, bring them back. Uh, honestly, uh, I've, I've had about enough of the Bears. If we're going to bring any Bears in, why not the Burley Bears? Uh, but Jason Taylor comes across from North Sydney, very experienced, uh, and I think he'll have plenty to offer. You've also got Chad Randall. Uh, Chad Randall, back in the day, model like good looks. I'd say that's still the case. Uh, played a lot of his footy at the Seagulls. I think he spent some time at the London Broncos as well. Was a dummy half, so Chad Randall... Uh, for all of those who've been following footy for a hot minute, you'd remember him. Uh, probably kids born after 2000, I'd say you'll have no idea who Chad Randall is. But handy player, decent coach as well. And a new addition to the head coaching ranks. Um, well, not head coach, I guess that's Sorrell there, right? But Luke Vella. Uh, now, he was a player at the Bulldogs. Never cracked the NRL. Career cut short with a very bad injury. Who is Luke Vella, you ask? Well, this past season, he was the Jersey Flag Premiership winning coach. Uh, so he's got the track record with the youngsters. He's got that familiarity. He more than proved that he was up for it uh, as far as coaching the juniors. And now he gets a promotion. Where have we seen this before? Well, plenty of times uh, across coaching developments. Uh, but very recently, Cameron Sorrelder was one who started with the juniors, worked his way up. So Luke Vella, this will be his first season as a part of the official coaching staff. Uh, and what I really like about this, like I said, uh, as they kind of develop these young guys and start to filter them through at NRL level, well, Luke Vella already has a fantastic relationship with them. 
would have an understanding of their strengths and weaknesses. And with Vela's move uh, into the NRL coaching ranks, that allows Josh Jackson, uh, who we're all very familiar with from the Bulldogs, uh, to take over the under-21s team. So that's the coaching staff, Cam Sereldo, Jason Taylor, Luke Vela, and Chad Randall. As far as the captain, well, last year there were about bloody 11 of them. Hard to keep track. There was Raymond Faitala Mariner. Uh, not too sure what the go is there now. Kind of a bit of a fall from grace, respectfully. Uh, Reid Marnie, Matt Burton. They had, what, on-field captain, off-field or culture captain. I lost track. I'm a simple man. I need two captains maximum. As soon as you throw three captains at me, too many chefs in the kitchen. Especially if you're a player, like... I mean, remember when the Tigers had five captains? Like, during the huddle, who's speaking? Who are you listening to? Like, how do you pick which of the five captains you're going to lean on and actually, you know, dial into what they're saying? So I am interested. Are they going to go with multiple captains, or will they just single out the one? If it is to be just one... Now, who would my pick be as an esteemed coach of zero games in my lifetime uh, and zero NRL games played? So my opinion holds a lot of weight in rugby league circles. I would go with Reid Marnie, uh, who was already one of their fucking like eight captains anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'd go with Reid Marnie. I think he showed leadership last year. Uh, and I think for a guy like Matt Burton, who also had to carry that burden... Why not just free him up? Say, Reed, you're the captain. You handle that side of things. Berto, you just focus on what you do best, which is playing footy. Uh, so coaching staff confirmed. Captain's not. Who knows? There might be more captains than coaches. Moving on to the X Factor player. Uh, now, this could have easily been a new recruit, Stephen Crichton, because if you want to talk about X-Factor and coming up with those huge plays, there aren't many players in the game uh, who have done and can do what Stephen Crichton is capable of. Uh, but as far as the Bulldogs X-Factor player, I've gone with Matt Burton. Now, if the Bulldogs' long-term sustained success is a puzzle... Well, the most crucial piece, the first piece of this puzzle that you put in and then you start to build around is Matt Burton. The half who they tried so hard to entice over from the Penrith Panthers. He already has a premiership to his name. Uh, and this is the guy for the Bulldogs uh, to really build around. So my X Factor player, it's got to be Matty Burton. Now, there has been some talk uh, surrounding potentially the dogs are shifting Berto back into the centres. Now, I don't know how, uh, how much substance there are to these reports. I just don't think it's the answer, though. Why would you move uh, the most crucial piece of this puzzle into the centres? All of a sudden, then you're paying a mozza uh, for one centre, potentially two if Critter also lines up there. Uh, so I don't think that's the answer. Very curious to see if they do lean that way 
uh, given they have a few options to play six. But I don't know. I just feel like it's sideways. Like, who are you going to put in the six? Drew Hutchison, respectfully. Uh, so I would love to see Matt Burton own that number six jersey. Uh, now, last year, we saw, or this past season, we saw him briefly shift into the number seven jersey. Again, I think Burton is an out-and-out out six. Now, when he did play center, yes, he was the Dell M center of the year. Uh, amazing in that position. But I just feel like what the dogs need is a real game-breaking half. Uh, that is exactly what Burton is. I would love to see him start the air in the six and finish the air in the six. No experimentation. Give him the position. Let the man cook. Uh, now, with Berto in the six, he has a lot of strengths. Uh, he's got a lethal running game. I think that was kind of one of the reasons the center switch came up, uh, because on the edge, he provides so much strike. Uh, but even in the halves, I feel like his running game really keeps def uh, opposition defenses guessing. Uh, and not just that, but the bombs. His kicking game are so integral to the Bulldogs' game plan overall, especially those towering bombs, uh, which if he's in the centres, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a little bit harder. If you're going to give him the ball to kick, defences are going to see him come infield, and they're going to be able to mark up on that. Uh, so I'd love to see him stay in the six, his running game, his kicking game, uh, and just allow him to really own the position instead of moving around a little bit. Uh, now, Burton, I'd say he'll float around both sides of the park, but predominantly he likes to play on that left side of the field. And Doggies fans, well, they would be salivating. You look at the potential left side, uh, Matt Burton, Viliami Kikau, uh, most likely Bronson Sherry, who fucking hell, big boy these days, isn't he? Uh, and Josh Adokar out on that left wing. Now, you've also got the potential of Stephen Crichton as a roving fullback. You take that out on the left edge, my goodness, there is something to work with there. So, yeah, I think Burton's the X-Factor player. He's got that superstar status, impact, influence, and the dogs brought him over for a reason. And that was uh, to be their leading light, to be their half uh, that took them forward for years to come. Now, there are some whispers that dogs still not out of the race for Jerome Luai. Uh, so that would be very interesting if Luai is to sign. Would he play seven? Would Burton move to the centers? Luai to six? Well, we'll save that chat uh, for if Luai does sign. But we're focusing strictly on 2024. My X Factor player for the doggies, it has to be Matt Burton. Uh, and I just, I would love to see them stick to the plan. Stick to the course, uh, because Burton coming through the grades as a 5'8", that was his position. He killed it there. Representative honours. Uh, his form playing in the halves was what led him uh, to get into that Panthers team in the centres. So I just say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now the Bulldogs are broke. They are broken. So there are a few things to fix. I just don't feel like the 5'8 position is it. 
So for 2024, I've got Matt Burton as my X-Factor player. And if the Doggies are to shoot up the ladder, think Warriors this past year, or Cowboys the one before, I mean, it's going to be Matt Burton leading the way. And they've got other guys. I did mention Stephen Crichton. But yeah, I just feel like they've got their guy. Why look to someone else? Okay, just casting my eye over the notes in front of me. Uh, another three things I want to quickly touch on. Uh, also, side note, if you hear some uh, noises from my stomach, a bit how's it going? Uh, I had a burrito. I had an energy drink. And now my stomach's making funny noises, which... There you go, made one there. Uh, fucking... Yeah, this is not about me, obviously, but... I'm just gonna soldier on. It uh, does make me a bit self-conscious when I'm recording audio. It's like, uh, I don't know, I can't make I can't make the noise, but if you hear it, sorry. Uh, Guzman Gomez was calling. Not sponsored, unfortunately. Would take the sponsorship, but um, I don't know if my waistline could handle it. Okay, uh, three things I've got in front of me. Uh, next up, I'm gonna go through uh, the draw or at least the difficulty of draw. Uh, I was going to go through the whole round 1 to 20, whatever it is, 26, 25, uh, but I just thought, you know what, why don't I just hit up Fox Sports? Because I remember they did an article, uh, they got in the lab, you know, the Fox Sports lab. Not sure exactly how that works, whether there are actual scientists in the laboratory, whether it's Paul Crawley with a handful of Dexies just going through uh, the history books and things like that, but yeah, I'll go through. I just thought it'd be easier to read what Fox Sports wrote about the Bulldogs draw. Uh, junior grade success. I've said about how the path forward for the dogs is to develop these young stars. Uh, so I'll quickly mention how some of these young stars did in the season that has just passed us by. Uh, but the other thing I mentioned before. I was talking about Penrith Panthers uh, when they signed a lot of players to kind of tide things over whilst they brought their juniors through. Uh, I've actually got that in front of me. So it was 2000... Oh, gee whiz. My fucking stomach. Sorry. Um, it's getting me off track, isn't it? Uh, yeah, okay, here we are. So 2013 it was where the Panthers uh, signed a stack of players similar to what Bulldogs are doing here. I must apologize as well. I said Kevin Naguama earlier. It was actually Wesley, Big Wes, that they brought over. Uh, but 2013, Panthers, they let go of a number of players, most notably Luke Lewis, Michael Jennings, and Michael Gordon. At the time, all really crucial players for the Panthers, uh, and it was quite controversial, especially in the case uh, of Luke Lewis, that they were let go. Uh, but as far as gains for the 2013 season, let me just quickly count. 6, 9, 12, 14. They signed 14 players. So very similar to, uh, to what it seems like the Bulldogs are doing here. Now, again, it's been mentioned, you know, some fans are like, what the hell's Jamin Salmon going to do? What's Blake Taff going to do? Connor Tracy, Drew Hutchison, like, how's that? going to change our fortunes. It just reminds me a lot 
with what Panthers did. Two different clubs, yes, but we've seen it work before. Now, when I read these players, uh, if you haven't been around the game for a while, if you're a bit younger uh, and don't vividly recall the 2013 season, you probably won't realize or recognize, sorry, uh, a lot of these names. That is where I see the similarity because Bulldogs, yes, they've brought over Stephen Crichton, uh, but most of their signings are NRL experienced guys who are ready for first grade. There's no issue uh, as far as calling them up into the team. And yeah, it's all about this transition period. So 2013, these are the players uh, that were brought over to the Panthers. Sam Anderson, Lewis Brown, who came over from the Warriors, Luke Capewell, Anthony Cherrington, Tom Humble, Isaac John. Yeah, he actually played footy at one stage. Unbelievable. Didn't seem like he ever really wanted to, but Isaac John, they brought him over. Uh, Jeremy Lattimore, so he was kind of like one of those clubmen that you bring over to just help with the general culture. Sikamanu, who came over from the Storm. I uh, actually met the Storm squad around 2012, so the season before. Really, really nice guy, Sikamanu. He actually came up to me, shook my hand, and he introduced himself. I was like, man, I know who you are. You're a fucking boss. Uh, so yeah, that has always stuck with me. The fact that Sikamanu, you know, this player who's done a hell of a lot at all levels of the game, comes up to little old me, just a speck on the fucking broader picture, like an absolute nobody, and introduces himself. So yeah, Sikamanu, ever since that day, I'm a big Sikamanu guy. Uh, Mose Masoi, or Maso, fucking butchered that, but... I wonder what's happening with him. I remember he had a really, really a bad injury, life-threatening injury over in the Super League. Hopefully, uh, things are going well with Big Mossy. Uh, but he got brought over to the Panthers. Wes Naguama, Kyle O'Donnell, Moses Pangai, James Roberts, Jimmy the Jet, and Dane Flare, who ended up uh, going on to have quite the career with the Panthers. But yeah, I just... My mind kept going to that signing spree when I was seeing what the Bulldogs were doing. Now, what is the common link? Gus Gould. Uh, who, I could talk about him for hours. There are a lot of people who don't like Gus Gould. They're not fans of his commentary. I'm not one of them. I am a huge Gus Gould enjoyer. In fact, if I am to channel my inner Chad, I'm a big Gus Gould guy. Uh, so Gus Gould, I think this could be the plan. Again, totally different clubs. They don't have the junior nursery uh, that Penrith do out in Western Sydney, but I see a lot of parallels. Uh, so yeah, on to the junior grade success. Jersey flag winners this past season, under 21s, as well as being the Harold Matthews winners, uh, which I believe is under 17s. Um, used to be, from mem uh, memory, under 16s. I feel like since COVID, they added, like, instead of under 20s, it's now under 21s. I feel like all of that was adjusted through COVID. But there you go. Under 17s, the cream of the crop right now coming through. They are bulldogs. Jersey flag, 
couple of years older, a little bit closer to first grade, they were the premiers as well. Uh, so that tells us that Bulldogs, there are some stars in waiting. Uh, I was really impressed what I saw in that Jersey Flag Grand Final. Uh, they had Carl Oluwapu playing in that game, uh, who's since been dealing with what seems to be a serious, very serious injury. Uh, their captain, halfback, Joseph O'Neill, he really looks like a prospect to keep an eye on. And there are a few kids throughout the Jersey flag team, not too far off first grade. That's where it goes back to my point. They're not too far off first grade, but why throw them in? Why throw them in the deep end of the pool before you need to? So again, this is where all these signings of guys that you may think of them as journeymen, they are here to help the team be competitive, uh, to really drive the standards whilst these young superstars come through. So yeah, under-17s premiers, under-21s premiers, they ain't lying when they say, stay patient, Bulldogs fans. Uh, they, I mean Den and Kemp. Uh, okay, 15th hardest draw. Oh no, sorry. They're 15th in terms of ease of draw, the Bulldogs, according to Fox Sports, who've never told a lie in their life. Uh, they have crunched the numbers, and they've ranked uh, the, yeah, the draws from easiest to hardest. First being easiest, 17th being hardest. Bulldogs are 15th on this list. So according to the lab, the laboratory at Fox Sports, Bulldogs have a very tough draw. So what have we got here? Top eight teams, 13 games. Uh, so essentially, Doggies will play 13 games in 2024 against sides that played finals this year. They will play five games against sides that were in the top four uh, and 11 games against bottom nine opposition. Only four games against teams that were in the bottom four, which actually included the Bulldogs. Uh, who do the Doggies play twice? By the way, like I said, all of this from Fox Sports, uh, this particular part of the podcast. So, uh, oh, staff writers. I was trying to see who wrote it. Staff writers. Nice to see them write something uh, that's not total garbage bullshit. The staff writers, like, they are, they love it. They love writing the shit stories. And it's like staff writers, more like you're just not going to put a name to that shit. Uh, but thanks, staff writers and Fox Sports Lab for this one. So Doggies, they play the Raiders twice, Sharkies twice, Knights, Cowboys, Eels, Dragons, Roosters, and the Warriors. Uh, all sides, they play twice. And here is the analysis. Uh, this is word for word, I swear. I'm not plagiarizing. This is straight from the fingertips of the staff writers. Analysis. The Bulldogs get a real chance to climb up the ladder from their 14th placed finish with no five-day turnarounds at all in 2024. So that's pretty good in itself. They're going to have a lot of time uh, between games to get themselves up. They're not going to find themselves in a position uh, with a really short turnaround. So that's definitely beneficial. Uh, Cameron Sorrell's side also face 
last year's top four teams, the Panthers, Broncos, and Storm, just once. So that's pretty handy. I don't know why they're ranked in such a low position then for strength of draw. Uh, they face the Warriors, which I haven't mentioned it yet. My team, up the fucking wires. I am actually in my Warriors jersey right now. Uh, they play the Warriors in rounds 14 and 25. So that's the only top four team they'll play twice. And despite, you know, loving the Warriors with every ounce of my being, I think Panthers, Broncos, Storm, Warriors, if you're picking one of those teams to play twice, you probably pick the Warriors, right? Okay, here we go. Unfortunately, they don't have the cruisy finish to the season that they enjoyed last year. Um, I don't recall a cruisy finish to the season from the Bulldogs in 2023, but whatever. Uh, they've got tough road trips at the end of the year. So let's just say Bulldogs have had a remarkable season. They're on the run home. They are still a chance at finals. It seems like they have a pretty bloody tough run home. They'll have road trips to the Cowboys and Broncos in rounds 20 and 21. Then they'll be taking on the Dolphins in Bundaberg, Warriors in New Zealand, up the Waz, uh, and they clash with the Panthers. Oh, well, now we're dialing it back, so it's a bit confusing. So yeah, finish of the season, they got three tough road trips that are Queensland-based. They also have to go over to New Zealand. Uh, but then the staff writers, they've taken us all the way back to round 10 and circled the Panthers game in round 10. Uh, Stephen Crichton, just one of many former Panthers, including Cam Sereldo, uh, so against their old club. And that's all staff writers had to say about it. So it seems like they've got a decent draw, but a very tough run home, which makes the key for the doggies hot start. You don't have to come out and win every single game, but you cannot afford to give up too much of a lead on the sides above you because yeah once you get to the run home it's going to be tough so a lot of the work needs to be done in that first half of the season so that's the key for the doggies come out hot put last season behind them and really go for gold so according to staff writers 15th in terms of ease of draw and now we move on Time for the one to watch. Uh, this is actually the third year running where I've done this series. One young player from each club to keep an eye on uh, for season 2024. Uh, now for the Tigers, I went with Josh Fallody. That was my own personal pick. For the Dragons, I went with the Couchman Twins. That was my own personal pick. But Daddy Gus, Mr. Philip Gould. Uh, actually came out, was asked on Twitter slash X, uh, which, I mean, gee whiz, I, I don't use X, but I always enjoy seeing a Gus Gould tweet. Is, are, they, are they called tweets now? Are they called Xs? I don't know. Uh, but I love Gus on social media. I, I wish we were Facebook friends or something so I could get just that extra bit of insight. Uh, but taking it back 
Bulldogs, one to watch. Well, Gus, he's given us one to watch. And I thought, who am I? Who the bloody hell am I to go against? Mr. Gus Gould, Sir Gus Gould. So I'm going to go with what Gus said. He was asked on X, who's one to watch that's really impressing in this preseason? Side note, uh, last year Gus highlighted a young, unheard of fella called Jacob Preston. So track record pretty solid uh, as far as Gus's ones to watch. Samuel Hughes, who we saw debut in the Good Friday fixture last year. A young front rower. If you haven't heard of him, I mean, that's not a huge shock. Definitely not a household name. Uh, Only has a couple of first grade games uh, to his name. But Samuel Hughes, Philip Gould has said, this kid is impressing. Uh, 22 years of age from memory. And what makes this such a crucial opportunity for Sam Hughes, who is clearly ticking the right boxes early in the preseason. No Sio Sioa Toki Aho, who we were all so sure he would be heading to the Bulldogs. A failed medical, I would actually deny that from happening. So it seems like Toki Aho is going to stay over in France. And with that, it seems or seemed like Bulldogs definitely are very short in the middle of the field. A few fries short of a Happy Meal, if you will. Uh, So, Samuel Hughes. Enter young Sammy Hughes. Hughesy, I think his nickname is, although I think maybe that's Dave Hughes. Fucking hell. Hughesy! No, we won't. We won't go there. Um, But Samuel Hughes, he's been pinpointed as the one to watch. He's who I'm going to go with. I'll take Gus's word for it. Uh, And I've been following Sam Hughes for a little bit. Not physically. Don't worry, if Samuel, if you're listening. I'm not outside your window. Uh, but just following the career progression. Because there was a point a couple of years ago, uh, I was hearing like this Samuel Hughes kid, made of the right stuff, really quality young player, keep an eye out for him. This is when he was at the Eels. Uh, so coming through, I actually thought we would see him come through the Eels system Pathway obviously blocked by RCG and Junior. Paolo, Barlow, Barlow, fucking... Uh, I think there are videos out there. I want to hear how Junior says it, because I think I have it. Like, I'll say Paolo, but then, yeah, sometimes I'll listen to the commentary, and I'm like, Barlow? Is it, is it Barlow? So, yeah, sorry if I said your name wrong, Junior. But Samuel Hughes, once an eel, now a bulldog. Uh, And off the back of last year, or this past season, where he got a bit of a sprinkle of what first grade is all about, it seems like he's got an opportunity and he is going to take it with both hands. So whilst there is no Tokiaho in the mix, we do have one to watch for the Bulldogs next season, that being Mr. Samuel Hughes. Uh, Just lastly as well, one thing I forgot to mention, some of the strengths of Husey's game. Samuel, not Dave. (laughs) Bloody hell. Um, Very, very good close to the line. Uh, So a big body and attacking threat. Through the junior grades, he was such a handful. They'd play him on the edge at times. And up against kids his age, 
physical mismatch. Now, obviously now in the NRL, totally different beast. You are no longer the big dog in the yard. You have to start as a rookie as the chihuahua in the yard. And you've got to just work your way up. Uh, but for Samuel Hughes, yeah, like I said, in the junior grades, he was such a physical presence and a really great attacking weapon close to the line. Think those big props uh, who take those crash plays and able to get a few tries, like a Blake Laurie, uh, something like that, although very different shape and size. So one to watch, Samuel Hughes. Uh, now we are going to get on to the gains and losses for 2024. I don't think there is a team that has been more active in the player market this offseason. Uh, I've already given my reasons as to why I believe that is, but I actually haven't gone through the gains and losses. So now let's get amongst it. All right, I'm just going to quickly click on to the gains and losses tab on zerotackle.com. Uh, I would shout out Zero Tackle, but fuck him. Thanks for this information, Zero Tackle. Uh, but side note, whenever I use it on my phone, so many ads, like just those annoying ads. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, where like you have to wait like 10 seconds to click it off and it's right in the way of the article. It's just annoying. Uh, and also, Zero Tackle, you sons of bitches. They've been posting lately really annoying shit, like, Blake Austin signs with the Tigers. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, it's the entrance Tigers. It's country footy. Or like, you know, I saw an article about Nathan Gardner, who I actually loved when he was playing at the Sharks. But yeah, they've been posting a lot lately. Like this player, he hasn't played NRL since 2014. And he signed with this country club. And we're going to put it in a clickbait kind of way and plug you with ads. So yeah, I used to froth Zero Tackle, but... They're kind of pissing me off. Anyway, that's a rant for another day. Our gains and losses. Shall I start? I'll start with the losses. Uh, and I'm not going to spend too long on each of these points, given that, fuck, there's a few gains, there's a few losses. Uh, so I'll try to keep it pretty brief. A couple of them, like Critter, we can talk a bit more about. Uh, so 2024 losses. Paul Alamotti. Uh, kind of a weird one given that he was such a promising youngster. Uh, he's off to the Panthers. I'm sure Paul will be pretty bloody happy about that. Jake Avarillo. Uh, I know a lot of Bulldogs fans very upset to be losing Jake. He is off to the Dolphins. You'd have to imagine the best from Mr. Avarillo, Armadillo, is yet to come under Wayne Bennett. Uh, New Brown, Farmanu Brown, he is off to Hull FC. Not before getting some international caps in with the Kiwis. Good on you, New Brown. Uh, Brandon Clark released. I will be honest, I don't know a lot about Brandon Clark. Other than that, he is released. Andrew Davey, he has retired. Um, yeah, happy retirement. He was a late bloomer, wasn't he? He came into the game quite late. Pretty cool. I love seeing guys that didn't give up on their dream make it. Uh, now he's retired. Kyle Flanagan, uh, he's off to join Daddy. I mean that respectfully. Going to link up with his father. Michael Gabriel, 
Uh, he was a real, or is a really quality young center. He was sent Cronulla's way in exchange for Connor Tracy. Uh, Jaden Ockenbohr. Ah, goodness gracious, off to Hull FC. High schools will have to be uh, monitoring monitoring the halls for Jaden Ockenbohr. But no, that, not a huge loss, but yeah, he started really reinventing himself this past year, playing in the middle of the park. So I think Jaden will make a pretty good fist of it over in the Super League. Tevita Pangai Jr., one of those players that just had it all, except the desire, and said he never wanted to be a footy player. So, look, honestly, uh, the way he spoke about it, he spoke about having, you know, Pacific Island parents, uh, which I, I'm a white boy. I'm, I'm not of Pacific Island heritage, so it's not something I have experienced, but playing footy through my whole life with many Pacific Islanders, you do see it where, you know, there is pressure to take your game to the next level, to really make it and start bringing in some big bucks. So for Tevita Pangai, I can understand it. It seems just like he was in that position where footy was never his true calling. I'm totally fine with that, you know. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, in a job or in an occupation, a career that doesn't fulfill us. It seems like that was the case for Tevita Pangai. Would have been nice if he could have told someone a few years ago before he was getting paid heaps of money to be a footy player. Uh, but he's retired. He is now going to be a boxer. Said, I'm sick of fucking halfbacks. Sick of taking orders from coaches and halfbacks. Well, I got news for you, TPJ. In boxing, uh, you have to have a coach. You've got to have a corner. So we'll see how he goes. I'm not a hater. Good luck to him, you know. And hopefully, for Tevita... Uh, this is fulfilling for him because it definitely seems like rugby league uh, was not so fulfilling. And yeah, he never played for the Warriors, so didn't really waste any of my time. But if I was a Bulldogs fan, I'd be like, fuck, why didn't you, you know, say something before we signed you? But he's retired. He is now a boxer. Watch this space. Yeah, just was like, fuck you, Toby Sexton. I ain't taking shit from you. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, Franklin Pele, the big bopper, off to Hull FC. So that is three Bulldogs players off to Hull FC. They must just be looking at the dogs and going, yeah, that's about, you know, they're playing like a Super League team, so we'll bring some guys over. Josh Reynolds, retirement, heart and soul player. Uh, he seems like he's still going to be in and around the Bulldogs club. That is definitely the right call. Grub. Joshy Reynolds, as a neutral fan, as just a fan of rugby league, my goodness, what a ride. And yeah, like I said with Tevita, like I'm not a Bulldogs fan, so didn't really waste any of my time. If I was a Bulldogs fan, fuck, Josh Reynolds is just that exact kind of character that typifies what you want in a player. He was never blessed with the skills of a Jonathan Thurston uh, some of the other guys like Cooper Cronk that he had to go up against, but just ticker personified. He would just go and go and go. So much heart. And also had a hand uh, in ending that Queensland decade of dominance. So Josh Reynolds, unfortunately his return to the Bulldogs didn't quite go 
how he had hoped, retired in the New South Wales Cup midway through the year, but just a fantastic ambassador, not just for the doggies, but for the game in general. Uh, and Bulldogs are better off for having Josh Reynolds at their club, an absolute legend. Luke Thompson, he is going to go back to England. Really unfortunate how that worked out. A lot of injuries. When he came over from St. Helens, it was a great signing, uh, but it just didn't quite work out. So he is going to be heading back to Wigan, Wigan out, uh, who actually won the past Super League title. So there you go. And Corey Waddell, he is going back to the Manly Sea Eagles. So a number of losses there. Uh, now let's turn our attention to the gains. I'm just going to, because I've exited what I'm recording the podcast on. I want to pause and clear my throat, but that is not the screen in front of me. So I'm just going to back up for a second away from the uh, computer. <coughs> fucking excuse me. Sorry. Okay. Hopefully that wasn't, uh, wasn't too much. Sorry. Stomach rumbling, coughing, shit like that. Uh, it's an unconventional look at rugby league. Never know what you're going to get. Uh, let's have a look. At the gains, Stephen Crichton, absolutely, undoubtedly, the biggest gain. Now, they're getting him over on fullback money. The question remains to be seen. Is he going to play fullback? Is he going to play centre? Well, Crit has come out and basically said he will play centre, fullback, wing. Wherever Seraldo needs him, he'll play. Now, that's a great attitude for a bloke who's coming over with three premierships to his name, four straight grand finals, a World Cup grand final, some iconic intercepts like... Stephen Crichton has done a hell of a lot in a very short time, still has that attitude to say, I'm here to do what's best for the team. Uh, so they've signed him on fullback money. Most of the talk uh, around this signing is whether he's good enough or whether he can be a world-class fullback. I certainly think he can. He's been world-class everywhere else he's played. I don't expect him, if he does get the nod, to come in and just straight away kill it. But if you put a couple of years into this, you know, you give him the full season and you really commit to it, there is no reason why Stephen Crichton cannot be a world-class fullback. Great roving game, can play on both sides of the field anyway, uh, so he's equally as strong on the left as he is the right. Uh, defense, one of the best aspects of his game, which is crucial for a fullback. Throw in the fact he can kick goals. What a signing. Now, this is one I could speak about for ages, but I'm trying to keep everything listener-friendly. I bet that is, without a doubt, the marquee signing. What is a bit of a worry... Josh Adokar was a marquee signing. Filiami Kikau was a marquee signing. Matt Burton was a marquee signing. Reed Marnie was a marquee signing. And yet, the Bulldogs still really... The optics is that they are, haven't, haven't progressed. Now, for other reasons that I mentioned, the junior systems and a lot of things like that, there is progression, but we're not seeing it just yet at NRL level. So there's two sides to the coin. I'm a half glass full person who says Stephen Crichton, I mean, 
he's not just going to lose form. He is too good to simply, you know, bring himself down to the level that the Bulldogs have been at. I think he's going to help elevate the guys around him, and I'm a huge fan of the signing. But the glass half empty does say, or does look like, you know, Matt Burton, all these other guys, came to the Bulldogs as sensational talents, and it seems to be hurting their career. Uh, Especially from a representative sense, it's harder to play Origin, to play internationals, when your team is struggling. I said, that's the biggest question mark, but I'm an optimistic fella. I'm also a huge Stephen Crichton fan, uh, and I think Bulldogs fans would be very pumped. Very, very pumped. Especially, like, everything I mentioned, three premierships already, played a World Cup final, played Origin. How old is he? I actually have no idea. I'm going to have a quick squiz. Sorry for typing, but... Yeah, I'm... Live, I don't have a fucking Jamie like on Joe Rogan. I just got to do this shit myself. He's 23. Stephen Crichton is 23. That's insane. When I was 23, the only three-peat I'd done is fucking three cones in a row. Like, that is seriously impressive stuff. Wow. So, all things considered, injury-free, continues his form. There's another decade or so of Stephen Crichton. His best still in front of him. That's a great signing from the Bulldogs. I am a fan of it. Uh, And his older brother, Christian, actually spent some time at the Bulldogs as well. Oh, speak of the devil, zero tackles, fucking stupid ads. Sorry. Gonna have to go back to the thing. Yeah, shout out to zero tackle for your stupid ads. Sorry, sidetracked. Uh, Next signing. Josh Curran. Uh, This one makes me kind of sad, but as a Warriors fan, we told him to leave. I certainly didn't. I wouldn't have told him to leave, but due to salary cap pressures, things like that, Curran ends up leaving the Warriors. Bulldogs fans, if you're unsure about this signing, let me tell you as a Warriors fan, we didn't want to lose him. We did not want to lose him. This guy, especially through the COVID years, uh, where we were really struggling and in a sticky situation, every week he would just bust his ass, tackle after tackle, just heart and soul stuff. So Josh Curran, uh, he leaves with my blessing. And Doggies fans, treat him well. He is a fucking unbelievable clubman. And when you look at the back row depth, kick out Jacob Preston, I wonder whether they'll move Curran into the middle. Maybe he plays off the bench uh, on the edge. But I would be shocked if Curran isn't in that best 17. Uh, And like I said, if you're a Bulldogs fan, you're not too sure how to feel about Josh Curran. Let me tell you from someone who watched him very closely playing for my team, you've got a good one. Treat him well. Great signing from the Bulldogs. Huge fan of it. Uh, but also a little bit sad because he really was an epic player for us. I'm just going to do another click. But yeah, sadness intensifies. Uh, For the Warriors, which it's not about today, today's podcast, uh, that allows the Kiwis, uh, which that's been somewhere where the Warriors have fallen short at times. I mean, you look around, Joey Manu at the Roosters, Dylan Brown at the Eels, 
Uh, there's plenty of it across the competition, so uh, it allows some Kiwi fellas to get a crack, get an opportunity. Josh Curran heads home, uh, and look, this is a guy, uh, I believe, who just gives his all for the jersey. So Bulldogs fans, this is, I think, the kind of player fans have been uh, yearning for. I think Jacob Preston really ticked a lot of those boxes. Uh, in terms of coming in, ripping in so hard for the jersey, uh, and now has a massive fan base. Uh, Presto probably keeps Josh Curran out of the starting side, uh, given that Viliami Kikau, if fit, will play on the left. Uh, but Curran, just in a Bulldogs jersey, I have no doubt whatsoever he's exactly what Doggies fans have been yearning for. So, yes. Alpeosa Falmasili. He's been at a few clubs, our front rower, started at the Roosters, had a brief loan stint with the Warriors during COVID, so I say it all the time, once a warrior, always a warrior, so good on you, Poasa. I think he was at the Dragons for a bit, and then he took part in the Dolphins inaugural season. Uh, this is just depth signing. We talk about how they need front rowers. He is a front rower. He's NRL experienced. He can hold the fort down, common theme, uh, whilst that next generation of Fords starts to emerge at the club. Drew Hutchison, uh, Trent Robinson, a big fan of, labelled him uh, the new Orbo. I didn't really like that, but Trent Robinson, uh, a much smarter man than I. Uh, but I wasn't enjoying Hutchison playing in the centres that much when he appeared there. I have always thought his best football is in his natural position uh, in the halves. So we saw him at the Roosters uh, for quite a while. He actually came through the junior grades at the Dragons, was a young superstar, played, you know, junior kangaroos, uh, under 20s origin, kept a, a few fair players out of those sides. Uh, Drew Hutchison was a half at the Dragons. Things didn't work out there. Kind of hard for anything to work out for halves at the Dragons, even now. I mean, look at their halfback. Uh, Drew Hutchison then went somewhere to the Super League. Was it Lee? I can't quite remember. He just, yeah, he vanished. Went to the Super League. Seemed like a career that would never be. Roosters bring him back into the fold. Been there uh, for the last number of seasons. And I distinctly remember um, a couple of seasons ago where Carey got injured and it was when Sam Walker was first thrown in probably before Roosters uh, were actually prepared to do, like a little bit before his time. Uh, Drew Hutchison partnered Sam Walker in the halves for the majority of that season, did an incredible job. Uh, so I would like Drew Hutchison to kind of focus on his craft in the halves. And with the utility thing, like obviously talking about the Bulldogs, everyone uh, is kind of saying they're just signing all these utilities. It seems like from reports that I'm reading uh, that they all have a pretty specific position, but they are football players. They're just natural football players. Uh, so I really like these signings. Drew Hutchison, the first uh, of these few guys they've brought in that do have a genuine utility tag. I believe Hutchison, uh, he's going to be there as a halves option. It'll be Toby Sexton, Matt Burton most likely, uh, Drew Hutchison, 
I believe they're signing him as a half. But has played in the centres, tall and rangy, could play in the back row, has played dummy half. So, natural footballer, great signing. Especially in the modern game with HIAs, player goes down. They have so many guys that can cover pretty much all bases. Kurt Mann, he's the next one. Was a Knights junior. I actually made his debut at the Melbourne Storm. Played as a left centre uh, for the Storm, but had been a fullback mostly in the junior grades as well as a 5'8". And Gus Gould himself in the past has said that Kurt Mann's best position, he believed, was 5'8". Although, when Gould said that, uh, that was a little bit before this modern-day lock roll came into play, which Kurt Mann, now an out-and-out lock forward, and again, reports I'm reading, that's where he'll be focusing on. So he'll be focusing on either starting in the 13, uh, or being, you know, 14, coming on in that middle forward role, similar to a Dylan Walker for the Warriors. Jamin Salmon, I know what comes to mind, weak gutted dog, uh, well last year, or last season, when Panthers flogged the Raiders, he scored a try, and really, I think, got one up over Ricky, so now I think we can put the weak gutted dog thing behind us, but kind of funny, uh, when he has signed with the Bulldogs, who in recent seasons, form-wise, it's been a bit weak gutted, right? Uh, but yeah, Jamin Salmon came through the grades as a half, can play in the centres as well. He's coming over from the Penrith Panthers, uh, where he was playing pretty well when he got a shot. Uh, I've heard Salmon in interviews say he is here to focus on an edge-back row position. But like Cutchison, like Kurt Mann, he can play all across the park. So great signing once again. Uh, he's one that some have labelled as like a journeyman, like I saw when they first signed him. Uh, fans complaining in the comments, which, oh my goodness, you know, people being negative in the comments section, unheard of. Uh, but I like this signing a lot. Even when he filled in uh, in the halves for Penrith in 2023, I thought he looked awesome. So he'll focus on that back row position. He's got Kikau, Preston, Curran, just to name a couple of guys to contend with. But if you have him on the bench, have him 18th man, like I said, with HIAs, he can cover centers, halves, back row, very well. Blake Taff. He is coming over uh, with full confidence to claim that fullback jersey. Now, we saw Stephen Crichton sign. Initially, that's been thought of uh, as the main option. But Blake Taff played in a grand final against Stephen Crichton uh, when Luttrell was injured a couple of years ago. Won the state championship and New South Wales Cup this past season as a fullback. Uh, and really talented young kid. Another one who does somewhat have that utility tag. But, again, he's got a clear role. He's coming here to really compete with Critter for the fullback jersey. And I feel like as the season edges closer, I actually I think he could be the one that does start at fullback in round one. So watch this space. Connor Tracy. Here's another one. Can play in the halves, can play fullback. He can play anywhere in your back line. Perfect signing. Uh, I think a lot of people, whilst he was playing reserve grade this past season, 
A lot of us were looking and saying someone, some club in the NRL, could do with Connor Tracy week in, week out. Probably even the Sharkies. So this is an awesome signing. He does come over with an injury, I believe, so that's not fantastic, but he's an unreal player. And again, all these guys I'm mentioning, it just really increases and solidifies the Bulldogs' chances of being competitive and just at least sticking in games and giving themselves a shot. Uh, Jake Turpin, the next one, spent some time in the Melbourne Storm system and most notably played for the Broncos last season at the Roosters. He comes over to the Bulldogs. Uh, I like this signing just purely because Reed Marnie, he's the out-and-out number nine. I'm sure they have a couple of guys in the younger grades as well. So, Jake Turpin, backup, depth option, I like it. And you know what else I like? Second chances for someone who made a mistake that really didn't hurt anyone other than himself. Brunson Sherry. Uh, back into the fold. Fuck, he looks big now, doesn't he? If he still has that pace, like when he was a junior at the Sharks, he, he was a gun. He was head-to-head with guys like Stephen Crichton in the junior grades as that like next big thing. Uh, now, four years has it been since he's been at the club, or been in the game, rather. He served his punishment. He's done the time. I'm sure he's thought long and hard about just how close he was to losing everything he'd basically spent his whole life working for. And yeah, I'm not in a judging mood today, I guess. You know, it's not my place to judge. And yeah, with this one, like I said, he didn't really hurt anyone other than himself. Big time, in a major way. So, Brunson Sherry. I love a second chance story. I, I'm interested because center was his bag. Like he was an unreal center. He looks like he could be a prop now. So I'm not exactly sure what the plan is for Bronson Sherry. Uh, given that he does speed work with Roger Fabry, I think he is going to be gunning for the centers. And I believe he'll play left center. But it is, you know, there are big questions. He's been out of the game for years. I believe last time he played, there was no such thing as the six again rule. So all that's come on in the time he's been away. Uh, And it is going to be a big ask. So pre-season, he'll have to put in the work. But without knowing him, or yeah, having been in his situation, I would imagine during this time away, There have been many sleepless nights where he has had to think about all of this. And when the footy's on, all these different things, like he even said, uh, I think in an article on Fox Sports, like he was watching Stephen Crichton, a guy he was going head to head with uh, in the junior grades and emerging into the NRL. You know, he's watching Critter pick up triple premierships. So a lot of time sitting out of the game to reflect on his mistakes. Dumb mistake, very stupid mistake that he did make, but he was a younger, he's basically a young boy. So now he's had a bit more time to mature, to reflect on that, 
And I just think naturally that's going to motivate him to not waste this second chance. So could be an awesome signing for the Bulldogs. I don't know exactly how much they are paying him. But yeah, if they're not paying him too much, then it could be the bargain buy of the entire year. So those were the gains and losses. Uh, gee, there are a few gains, but I'm excited for it. All right, we're gonna jump on to the spine. Uh, I had a quick idea too. If the Central Coast Bears or whatever, if they really, really are so desperate to come back into the NRL, they should be called the Central Coast Pitbulls. Uh, and their logo, uh, mascot, sorry, could be Pitbull, the singer. And he could be the logo. I don't know where that idea came from, but yeah. Maybe they could get Pitbull for Vegas or Grand Final. That would be epic. Okay, uh, Spine for the Bulldogs, 2024. Fullback, Stephen Crichton, head-to-head -head with Blake Taff. I love this uh, purely because, you know, Critter has the resume. He has the moments. He has everything. Whereas Blake Taff, uh, despite already playing in a grand final, he was in reserve grade last year, won the state championship, was in fantastic form, form being a key indicator of what the Bulldogs need. And instead of Sorelto going, Critter, you know, you're on fullback money, you're in. We're going to just focus solely on you being our fullback. Uh, it seems as though... They've come in on a level playing field. So credit as well to Stephen Crichton. Credit, sorry, I can't speak English. Uh, to Stephen Crichton, who said, happy to play anywhere from one to five. Uh, and it gives Blake Taff an opportunity. And I saw a quote from him where he said he's been getting a lot of encouragement uh, on how he's been going from not just coaches, uh, but teammates as well. So I think... Any lingering issues that were at the Bulldogs at the back end of last year, I think with so many fresh faces and a renewed energy around the club, I think at the very least, it's a start. There's your foundation to now move away from what the Bulldogs have been in the last five or six years, uh, ever since really, you know, a couple of grand finals under Des Hasler and really move forward. The foundation is set. So here are a couple of fresh faces. Stephen Crichton. Goodness gracious. I don't think any fan of any club in the NRL would be unhappy if Stephen Crichton signed. Like if Crichton signed with my club, holy shit, the lid would be off. So Bulldogs fans have every right to be super excited about this. And what's even more so exciting you got Blake Taff nipping at his heels. As I said, I just have this suspicion, even though I haven't been to any Bulldogs trainings and I'm just reading shit on, you know, Instagram, like not the most trustworthy sources, my spidey senses are tingling. And I think Blake Taff, it'll be up to him in the trials to say, I'm the guy, give me a shot. So fullback, a very interesting battle if it's Stephen Crichton, uh, does Blake Taft make his way into the 17? Potentially he plays New South Wales Cup uh, at fullback and just keeps going at it. But if Taft does get the start in round one, then Critter in the centres, you'd have to say. 
Uh, moving on to the 5-8 position, I'm going to focus on the spine, then move on to the other spots in the team. But obviously spine, very important, uh, not just in the NRL, but also physically as a human being, uh, not having a spine makes things difficult. Anyway, Matt Burton, 5'8". Spoke about that earlier. Just pick and stick. I like him at 5'8". Uh, Drew Hutchison, the backup. Not just for 5'8", but halfback as well. That is my belief. Toby Sexton at halfback. Interesting trajectory of his career so far. One of many uh, Australian junior reps that the Gold Coast have had. Aussie schoolboys, as they like to call them. Uh, so Toby Sexton, really highly rated as a youngster. And then we saw him emerge a few years ago for the Titans. Uh, they move Jamal Fogarty onto the Raiders. And then, yeah, things just didn't kind of, they just fell flat, I guess. Bulldogs bring him over whilst they're struggling. They have Burton playing halfback. And he immediately made a difference. Uh, I think Bulldogs in the past as well had had talks with Sexton when he was a bit younger in his career. And I think, yeah, if he comes in, gives a good preseason, yada yada, all the classic shit, uh, I think he's the halfback. And like Burton, just pick and stick for now. Also, news has broken. Seems like Luai going to the Tigers. Uh, so... Yeah, as far as the Bulldogs' future halves, Luai looks like he's out of the equation. He said on Instagram, hasn't put pen to paper. But I think for the Bulldogs' sake, now looking forward with the halves, I'm going to rule out Luai. And also, like I said, with the fucking Tigers podcast and how long it took me, because news breaks all the time. And when I was doing the Tigers podcast, I was like, uh, you know, discussing a few Luai things, but I was just like, my goodness. What if I talk for like 40 minutes and then he doesn't sign? But he did sign with the Tigers. The Tigers are busy in the preseason. They, they are all through the news. But yeah, back to the Bulldogs. Toby Sexton. Pick and stick. You have Drew Hutchison as backup. Uh, and one interesting point. I know I keep going back to the Penrith uh, thing and how Gus kind of set things up. And guys like Seraldo were involved in that process. Again, yes, they are different clubs, but junior development. We talk about halfback, you know, it's such an important position. You look at a club like the Dragons, how they just simply cannot afford to let Ben Hunt leave the club because they need a quality halfback. You look at Sea Eagles, what a difference a guy like Daly Cherry Evans makes, Adam Reynolds at the Broncos. Uh, but for the Panthers, they opted mostly for junior development and their whole uh, kind of way that they've been dealing with the salary cap. And we still see it with Penrith to this day. It's why guys like Coruscant, Kikau and Crichton are now gone. At the top of the salary cap, when it gets to a point where they can't afford that player, they will then move them on in certain positions and bring a young guy through much cheaper. Uh, and basically, it's working. We see it. Three straight premierships, uh, despite the salary cap, costing them guys like Coruscant, now Stephen Crichton, Matt Burton, for instance. So Bulldogs have been a huge beneficiary 
And I guess it shows there is some merit, at least, in the salary cap. Because Bulldogs, no offense, have been shite form-wise for a couple of years. So it works out well. It's like, okay, let's give these guys some dope players. Which leads to the point I was going to make. Potential dope player of the future, Joseph O'Neill. And what Panthers did, yes, they signed James Maloney, but they looked to their juniors. Nathan Cleary, he's the halfback now, worked out pretty well. He wasn't a guy that was at another club playing NRL that they went, yeah, we're going to sign this guy to take us to a premiership. This guy was around town all along. So, bloody hell. Joseph O'Neill captained the Jersey flag side to a premiership. Now, that wasn't against men. I guess under-21s, honestly. Some of these guys, when you play in under-15s, it's like, fuck, this guy. Already the strength and size of a man. He hasn't even hit fucking puberty yet. But, yeah, it's always going to be a bigger test once you hit NRL. But I'm interested. Because Toby Sexton, a guy who you can give a shot, like I said, really give him the opportunity this year, he could be the one for the next three to five years. You never know. But Joseph O'Neill, captain the Jersey flag side to a premiership, still very young. I'm interested in this because who knows? Maybe there is a parallel, which I've been finding a few, between the Panthers' rise and what the Bulldogs are trying to do. And yeah, maybe the halfback the doggies need long term has been under their nose the whole time. Who knows? Joseph O'Neill, watch this space. And then Hooker, a dummy half, I guess, if we want to be PG about things. Uh, Reed Marnie, that's his position. I also endorse him uh, to be captain. Cameron Serraldo, if you're listening, that's my official endorsement. Imagine if he was, my gosh. Uh, Anyway, he's not. Uh, Jake Turpin, if you're listening, good luck this season, mate. Back up dummy half, going over from the Roosters. So hell yeah, that's the spine. Uh, fullback, you've got Critter, up against Taff. 5'8", Matt Burton. Halfback, Toby Sexton. Drew Hutchison, back up half. Reed Marnie, he's the number nine. And that is the Bulldog spine. On to the other positions. Uh, It kind of reminds me of that game, Guess Who, where there's all these different faces on the board. And, you you know, I'm asking Cameron Sorrelto, like, does your winger have a moustache? And shit like that, because there are a few options. There are a few options and a few directions that they could go, which is good. It keeps everyone accountable. And you never know. Sometimes round one team lists, you think they're going to go one way. All of a sudden, you got a new name. Uh, I think with the Tigers, like a Jareem Buller, he kind of just went, hello, g'day. Uh, I hadn't heard too much about him, so hell yeah. Anyway, wingers. Josh Adokar, uh, he'll probably be in the frame to start round one, you'd have to suggest. Marquee player, uh, it's time for him to deliver. Had a few, I guess you could call them controversies, in the off-season, I'm not particularly interested in discussing that. Josh Adokar at his best? Well, I mean, 
he could be the perfect complement uh, to the rest of this team that they are now building. So you would have to imagine Josh Adokar on the left wing, if he's fit. Right wing, Jacob Kiraz, question mark. Or do they play him in the centres? I think maybe he starts on the wing, just given that they have uh, quite a lot of centre options. Quite a lot of centre options. And Kiraz, uh, unbelievable on the wing. He could play fullback, he could play centre. Uh, but I don't mind the idea of them saying... You're our right winger. Just focus on that for now. Centers, all these other positions could be in front of you, but right now, you're our best winger alongside Josh Adokar. Uh, so I would imagine those two start. Blake Wilson, very much in the frame for a wing spot as well. Sunshine Coast Junior. Uh, I've lived in New Zealand. That's where I'm from. Also lived on the Sunshine Coast, so... Yeah, I'm one of those rogue operators that does have a Queensland Cup team. It is the Sunshine Coast Falcons. And yeah, I watched Blake uh, Wilson. I was going to say Blake Falcon. Fuck. That would be an epic player. Blake Falcon. I might legally change my name to that. Uh, but Blake Wilson, Sunny Coast Junior, he himself can play fullback. Uh, but I think focus on that wing position. And you never know. If Josh Adokar is firing on all cylinders. He could very much be in Michael Maguire's state of origin side. It could be an outside chance, like at the moment, you'd probably say he's not one of the two best winging uh, wing options. Like Brian Toto undeniably would get one position, uh, but origin is a while away. But yeah, if Kiraz, Josh Adokar unavailable, Blake Wilson very much in the frame. Connor Tracy, in my notes, I got a few different colors going. Connor Tracy I wrote in green because I'm just like, I don't know. He could play anywhere. He could be the 14. They could use him in the halves, fullback, wing. Uh, center seems like the most likely. That would be my guess. Uh, but he has been written in green. I think he's got to be in there somewhere. But where? Cameron Soraldo. Does your number 14 have two first names? We'll have to see. I wish I could get Sorello on for a chat and he could just tell me. Tell us. Our centers, Stephen Crichton, just written in blue pen, uh, regular color. Uh, question mark. Yeah, will he play fullback? If he doesn't, center. Uh, Bronson Sherry, I assume he's there to play center. You also have Jacob Kiraz, as I mentioned. Hayes Perham, written in blue but could be in green as well, has spent a lot of time at fullback, played some halves for the Warriors in the junior grades, and some centre, he is one, again, I think they have a lot of centre options, I think there's going to be a lot of competition for those spots, so Hayes Perham, where does he fit into the mix, not sure, probably not in the NRL team straight away, but he did start. Uh, at fullback last year under Sereldo. And sorry to say it again, but once a warrior, always a warrior. So yeah, I hope Perham has a great season. Uh, Jarrell Skelton has played some rugby sevens. I spent a bit of time in the Melbourne Rebels system a couple of years ago, mid-season. Comes over to the Bulldogs. Can play centre, can play wing. He will be very much in the mix. I think pre-season's going to be telling, right? 
because Bulldogs obviously have a very high standard now under Cameron Serraldo. And who's going to perform? Who's going to wilt? And who's going to perform? I think they'll find out a lot in preseason. And Jarrell Skelton, yeah, he's definitely in the mix. And then you've got Jordan Samrani, who is a young center. Uh, he'll be an option. Let's see. Uh, it, red pen. We've got some red pen. Uh, Raymond Faitala Mariner situation. He's staying. Everything seems to have been worked out, uh, all the differences. But I wrote him in red pen because where does he fit in to the frame at NRL level? Has played some 13. Uh, but they have a few options there. And predominantly for most of his career, a back rower, which they have kick out, they have Preston. So Raymond Faitala Mariner in red pen. Not, that doesn't mean, like, you know, he's been blacklisted. It's just in red pen because I'm not sure where he works out, uh, like where he fits in this whole situation. Uh, back to blue pen, front rowers. Max King, he's been unbelievable for them. A great option. I think he'll start in the front row. You have Liam Knight, who came over at the back end of last season. He'll be keen to prove a point, and at his best, he could offer what the dogs so badly have been needing, some punch through the middle. Chris Patolo has spent most of this last season injured. He is highly rated in the Bulldog system, young Kiwi player. Uh, and I think if he's fit, he'll be around the bench situation where he'll be starting at New South Wales Cup level uh, and really getting his reps in. Kitioni Kaltoga, uh, he was a former Tiger, came over to the Bulldogs, can play on an edge as well. Pretty explosive. Uh, watch this space with Kitioni. Samuel Hughes, one to watch, according to Gus Gould, so let's see. There's definitely a... Uh, an option there, or an opportunity rather, to start in the front row. Sio Tokiaho, you'd have to imagine that was the plan. Can Samuel Hughes get into that 17? Well, let's see. And Ryan Sutton, finally, a front row option, came over from the Raiders, Englishman. At times it seems like they've been shopping him around. Big season for Ryan Sutton. And it's not like, you know, they have this surplus of world-class front rowers, respectfully. So it's not like Sutton can't uh, just turn things around this season and claim that spot. Watch this space. Uh, Kickout and Preston, I believe they are going to be the back rowers. They could start Presto off the bench, but fuck, why would you, you know? Uh, so Kickout and Preston... I think that's a lock unless something catastrophic happens in the preseason, injury-wise. Uh, lock, well, Josh Curran on the website was listed as a lock, so maybe he starts there. Uh, but I think the signing of Kurt Mann, I think they're going for an out-and-out 13. So let's see. Again, here's a player who's been labelled a utility, but maybe, just maybe, He's coming here to be the 13, so watch this space. I'm not going to go through bench chat. I just, yeah, no bench chat. Sorry if you're a bench enthusiast, but we are now going to move on.
Okay, only two more things to get into before the final assessment, which is where I'll give my ladder prediction for where I think the Bulldogs could finish. But I have a little, little extra something uh, that I want to offer up during this final assessment. Anyway, I'm going to get through these other two very quick. Uh, we have the key and the top 30 with like development players and train and trial, uh, which I'll go through the full squad super quick because I've talked about most of them, uh, just names. And yeah, we'll see train and trial lists, things like that. Key, this is a quick one because I've already spoken about it. Patience and transition period. We're just going to have to wait and see. They've got a lot of guys now to hold down the fort whilst they either look to the market or look from within. And right now, at the Bulldogs, for the long-term, bigger picture focus, they have a lot of potential options from within. So the key, you really do just kind of have to wait, wait and see. Hopefully, they can start fast-tracking things from 2024. Okay, let's have a squiz at their top 30 development players and things. Bailey Biondi Odo. He could be a halves option. I had an injury now back in the fold. Has played quite a bit of NRL. We shall see. Blake Taff. Could he start at fullback? Bronson Sherry. He is back. Uh, Chris Patolo. Drew Hutchison. Jackson Topene. Back rower. Let's see. He's got a lot of talent. Hayes Perham. Jacob Kiraz, Jacob Preston, both of them are guns. Jacob Duo, both absolute guns. Jamin Salmon, uh, Fish, that just kind of came to me, just with Salmon. I was like, interesting, a lot of dog-related chat, but no one mentioning the fish. Jake Turpin, Jarrell Skelton, Jordan Samrani, Josh Adokar, Josh Cohn. Carl Oluwapu, uh, I don't think we'll see him this season, but hopefully all is good on the health front. He has a lot of talent. Kitioni Kaltoga, Kurt Mann, Liam Knight. My mouth is so dry, I'm so sorry. Far out. I'm going to have some water in a second. Matt Burton, Max King, Palasa, Falmasili, Raymond, Vitala, Mariner. Everybody loves Raymond. Reed Marnie, Ryan Sutton, the one to watch, Samuel Hughes, Stephen Crichton, Toby Sexton, Liliami Kikau, and young Zach Montgomery, a front row option, uh, who was part of the Jersey flag winning team. Development players, Bailey Hayward, who can play in the halves. I think he may have even represented Scotland at international level. I will not attempt uh, an accent, my dry mouth, I'm so sorry. Uh, Joseph O'Neill, Joash Papali, or Papali'i, he was my one to watch last year, still one to watch. Curtis Morin, he's a young gun, and Michael Gabriel listed, he's gone to the Sharks. Uh, do we have train and trialists? Not written here. Okay, no train and trialists today. Let us finish with a glass of water the final assessment. 
Oh, okay, that water saved my life. Last night, a DJ saved my life. Our final assessment, I'll make this quick. My thoughts on the Bulldogs for 2024. I've got a couple. I've also got my prediction. I'm going to go the prediction first. And then I got a little side call. Uh, this will be, yeah, this is, I think is the only side call I'm going to make in out of all 17 clubs. But I just got a little side call. But my official, quote unquote, <laughs> I don't know how official my prediction can be, but 12th, I'm going to say 12th. I'm going to say they move up the ladder. Uh, I just think it's a transition period. All the reasons I've been talking about on this podcast, uh, but I believe it's a very bright future. So my prediction on the Not Just a Sports Report predicted ladder, Bulldogs in 12th position. Uh, so they join Tigers, who I put in 17th. I said at the end of that one, to be trusted with a lot, you must be first trusted with a little. So now since then, they've signed Luai. Holy shit, but yeah, I'll stick with that. I'm not, you know, I'm not right or die about the predictions. This podcast series is more about talking about the clubs and like, you know, talking more about the NRL side than like my fucking opinion, I guess. So 12th is where I have them. It's a bit of a safe and pansy option from me, given my side call. Uh, But let's move on to it. 2024 surprise packet side call. In 2022, the Cowboys, coming off a disastrous season, Todd Payton didn't seem to be working. They come out, Tom Dearden, uh, a player who we thought may have been written off from being scarred by the Broncos' worst era in history. Cowboys come into 2022 did what they did, and yet I I didn't see it coming. In fact, as I said, I did the series in the preseason for the 2022 uh, calendar year, and I had Cowboys second last. I had Tigers last when I did that series, and I was correct. And so, yeah, I was like, I'll stick with that. But Cowboys, my prediction that year was second last, and they came out and fucking killed it. And I love when teams do that. In 2023, it was the Warriors. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. I would just keep tuning in. I'm a diehard fan, no matter what. Uh, But yeah, it actually happened. It actually happened and it's happening. And Roger Tuovasashek is coming back. But like for this season just gone, Even myself, as the most optimistic Warriors fan, I did not see that coming. Bulldogs, that's going to be my side call. If there's another side uh, that just kind of rises from absolutely nowhere and shocks us all, that's my side call, that it will be the Bulldogs. And I'm not going to say that about any other team to keep this side call authentic. So there is only one Surprise packet prediction. I've said 12th, but yeah, if one team fucking just blows us away, could be the Bulldogs.
let us conclude, shall we? So yeah, in conclusion, I mean, you've heard all the preview chat side of it. My picks, 12th place finish, or yeah, they shock us all. But who knows? If they finish lower than that, then, like in terms of 12th, yeah, then it, like, I don't know, becomes a talking point. There are always going to be coaches under pressure. Uh, but I'm optimistic long term about the Bulldogs. It is not all doom and gloom as it may appear. And yeah, that is it. That's the pod. Let us wrap up. Next up, who have we actually got? Far out. Let me just suss. It was from this past season's ladder. I'm thinking maybe Titans, maybe Dolphins. Where the bloody hell? It's nearly 2024 though. Quickly, while I pull up the ladder. Hasn't this year just flown by? Wow. Okay, who's next? Titans. We got Queensland clubs uh, in three of the next four. Moving up, we'll get Titans next, Dolphins, Manly Seagulls, Cowboys, and yeah, we're going to keep moving up the ladder. So Titans, yep, I'm going to go start writing notes for that. Des Hasler. Quickly, just as a little preview snippet of Titans, who really are a club that could go either way. They could be the surprise packets of next year, or they could finish dead last. We will have to see. Uh, but yeah, I feel like in terms of the new coaches, like Shane Flanagan at the Dragons, Benji at the Tigers, uh, who I've just gone through, DJ Des Hasler, uh, I don't know why I said DJ, but he inherits quite the squad. Fafita may start the season injured. Uh, we'll have to look into that. You've got Tino, Mo Fodawaker, Kieran Foran in the link with Des Hasler. Uh, the Jaden Campbell, Brimson chat. There's quite a bit to talk about with the Titans, but compared to a Dragon situation, a Tigers, uh, if he had signed there as the coach, you have a Premiership calibre coach. He's done it before. When the Storm were at their peak, uh, other than when, you know, they've had a couple of peaks, but when they had their GIs and absolute guns stacked, hashtag salary cap, um, it was Des Hasler and the Manly Seagulls. So I've always rated Hasler as one of the elite coaches. Uh, and for a while, before probably his Bulldogs exit and some things, uh, a lot of it out of his control that have happened since then, uh, he hasn't been spoken about in the same vein as your Trent Robinsons, your Craig Bellamy's, uh, your Wayne Bennett's, things like that. But Des Hasler, here is a real wild card in the season to come. And here it's an amazing squad. He is not walking into a mess. Titans, I mean, look at the Tigers, all the shit happening with the board, power struggles, things like that. You have Mel Meninga at the Gold Coast Titans, they have a very clear vision about chasing premierships. They have a serious intent. Very promising coach, Justin Holbrook, who'd done some amazing things coaching in the Super League and at other levels. They were ninth or something, and they made the ruthless call. So Des Hasler enters a club intent on chasing their first ever premiership yeah, Tino Fasil Malawi up front, David Fafita on an edge. 
You've got a youngster in Tana Boyd ready to prove himself. Quite the backline. Uh, Phil Sammy, a player in the sights of a few other clubs. A lot to talk about. So this has been the Bulldogs one. It is now time to turn our focus to the Gold Coast Titans. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, enjoy your weekend.